Welcome! You have joined us here for the second part of 11001001 of Star Trek The Next Generation Season 1, where we left off last week. The Binars have taken over the Enterprise, and it is up to Riker and Picard to save the day. Will they be able to do it? I don't think so. I think they're all going to die, and the Enterprise is going to be exploded into a million pieces. No! Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode with myself, Rachel, and of course, our special guest, Greg Johnson. Rachel watches Star Trek. Access denied. They've locked it off. We must find another way to get it. One of us could beam into the bridge. No, it takes several seconds to materialize. You wouldn't stand a chance. I could beam into the turbo lift, force the doors, take them by surprise. No. We'll both beam in simultaneously to different areas of the bridge with luck. One of us will be a distraction. There must be only four minutes left. Ricard don't know what they're going to be beaming into, so they have their phasers drawn, planning to beam in on different parts of the bridge so they can catch whoever it is unawares. That's a decent idea. Pretty courageous. They're mm. assuming one of them will be killed, at least. It also proves the transporter operator job is useless again. <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> I did think here you could have a lovely character moment where Picard says, well, it's a 50-50 chance. That hopefully one of us will make it. Yeah. And you could have Rikers refuse, like say, no, we're not doing that plan. Mm-hmm. Or let me go first. Mm-hmm. But then Picard has to talk him into it. They don't yeah. have time for that. They've got to go back and have another conversation with Minuet. Yeah, they're calm and stoical. They're cool. In a way yeah. that is anti-drama. Well, Whereas McCoy anyway. and Kirk would have had quite a bit to say about that. And McCoy would have tried to protect Kirk mm. and risking his life, I think. The emotion could really sort of step up there so that you feel the drama. Yes. All the prep was for nothing because the binars are all passed out in a pile on the bridge. Mm. One of them barely asks for help before passing out themselves. Aw, like a bunch of little meerkats or something. <laughs> I don't know. They're cute, aren't they? In control again. Ricard, cancel the auto-destruct. Is that a bit anticlimactic? No, it's not a bit anticlimactic. <laughs> it's completely. <laughs> Yeah, we're... always introduce a ticking clock yeah. about 27 minutes in and four minutes later just switch it off. <laughs> Without even the final countdown or anything. <laughs> there is a later episode, again, I'm preempting so much here, but minimal people trapped on the ship and the whole episode is a ticking clock. That episode is like a sort of redo of this one. Why you would have a sort of 45 minute self destruct, I've no idea. But figure it out, then switch it on before the titles. <laughs> and then that's your whole ep, that's the whole thing. But the fact that they turn it on, beam into the room and turn it off. Yeah. Yes. Wow, it's, I, I was gripped to my seat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're in orbit around Binus, where there are no signs of working equipment and nobody's responding, probably dying too. But why are ours dying now? Well, good question. Wouldn't they be dying more the further away they were? They have a shared consciousness. And that shared consciousness, as we will find out in moments, has been uploaded to the Enterprise's computers. So their consciousness is not in their bodies anymore, but in the Enterprise's computer. So that's why they've passed out. Right. Oh, right. Why they have to do that? Why couldn't they just keep their consciousness as part online for some reason to finish this job? Who knows? Plot, oh, I guess. I'm with you. Again, it's an interesting I- idea. Yeah. Like if you have a whole planet of sort of computerized, effectively, people... Mm-hmm. And you have to defrack their memory, like save it to the cloud and then save it back again. And they all sort of switch off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a sort of potentially fascinating yeah. moment. Yeah. But 
Again, the way Picard just looks at them and says, they appear to be dead. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) he's so caring. Oh, yeah. No resource, no mouth-to-mouth. It's just, I think they're dead. Anyway, what else have you got over there? That's classic Star Trek. So, Ricard notices that the computers are fully rammed with data, information, not the Android. The binars did a core (laughs) dump of the whole planet, like I just said, to the Enterprise. They don't know what to do, but then they think the binars must have left some instructions, but where? Oh, yes, Minuet. (laughs) Tell me what this is all about. A star in the binar system went supernova, and they miscalculated. The electrical magnetic pulse from the explosion was going to knock out their main computer. And so their only choice was to transfer all the stored information and shut down until after it passed. And then reactivate their system and transfer the information back to the main computer. The Enterprise has the only mobile computer large enough to handle all that information. So what went wrong? Why are they dying? The star went supernova before it was expected. And you were late arriving at Starbase 74. Why didn't they say something? Why didn't they just ask for help? I don't know. I don't have those answers. Why does she know all this? Because they've given her this information. But that's not my problem with this. (laughs) Like, my problem is that doesn't make a lick of sense. No, it doesn't make any. Because when did this supernova happen that wiped out their computer? Yeah, and even I know that they're a long process, aren't they? It's not just momentary. But still, when it happens, whenever that wave hits their planet, they would have to upload before that happens to the Enterprise. They have to upload that data. It has to be about to happen. It has to be about to happen and then actually happen for them to then re-download their information on the computer because it's the electromagnetic wave from the supernova. I don't know why the planet is not destroyed. Maybe it's really far away from its star. Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's just so many questions about how this would technically work that don't make any sense to me. They don't seem bothered Mm. about even trying to explain it. No. Minuet says the star went supernova. The Enterprise showed up at the starbase a week late and then they had no time to consult. They had to act. I suppose it's a nice payoff for how jittery and fast working they were now that we know what was at stake. Mm -hmm. Ricard have to restore the computer and Minuet has no help for them there. Uh, They return to the bridge and Picard calls Data. Data believes that the binars would make it obvious because they were counting on the help. He guesses an eight-string binary code. Riker runs the possibilities and then they get the code 11001001. Almost immediately. (sighs) Now the computer can do that. Aren't there sort of infinite possibilities? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot, but the computer can run those pretty quick and then it it does. But again, incredibly anticlimactic. Yes. (laughs) It's very much, we need to guess. Is it that? Yes. (laughs) Cool. Ricard have to enter it together because the binars work in tandem. It's good that they were both there. I don't know what would happen if it was just Riker. Mm. Job's done, and the binar awaken. And we get this. Our world is reactivated. Our people express their gratitude. We will return to your starbase for whatever punishment your system requires of us. Why didn't you just ask for our help? You might have said no. <laughs> Pretty much from that final minuet scene on, the script is very uh, expositional questions that the audience are asking. <laughs> yes, yeah. demanding So it's, know. why didn't you just ask us? Well, why couldn't you do that? But why isn't it that? Oh, it's probably this. Well, why not? And it's just sort of, <laughs> let's wrap it up, folks. <laughs> it's like they put, they're turning the lights off on set. It's like, let's get this done. <laughs> Oh, boy. Riker thinks that since they're binary, that yes and no were the only possibilities and that they had equal weight or some kind of ridiculous thing. Jeez. Are the intellectual beyond our wildest dreams or binary? (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it's preposterous. They also at one point talk about how they've never interacted with a computer as sophisticated as the Enterprise before. Mm. But then their planet is a huge right. yeah. computer. So again, they, they should be far more advanced than, than what we can offer them. Yeah. yeah. They just need a huge hard drive, pretty much. Yeah, that's it. It's a little confusing. So they needed Riker to be in there so he could find the file. So did they know he's so into work that he only bones for work purposes? And he could resist her amazingly realistic pull and wouldn't be in there for hours having sex while they died in a heat. <laughs> so wait, you're thinking that if they misjudged Riker, that yeah. he would have just been boning minuet yeah. the whole time. But they and know he's so into work. He only bones when he knows it's part of his diplomatic duties. It could be. Or maybe they had a like time limit thing when they were needed. No, but that would have happened earlier. When they were needed, they would have, Minuet should have said, oh, yeah, by the way, you're needed on the bridge. And then. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't she make a lot of sense. She was going to keep them there indefinitely. Okay, let's say they're incredibly sophisticated um, technology species. Mm -hmm. They could create a sort of android that is Riker's perfect woman. Yeah. So she is like just made for him, literally, but he doesn't know that. Mm -hmm. So the whole point is they make this whirlwind romance happen so that he stays on the ship while everyone else gets off. Because she's like, hey, let's go and sit in the mm -hmm. Jeffrey's tube and play our recorders. <laughs> reference to a later episode. One day that will make sense. Um, and so he's seduced by something convincing. But but for, for a regular holodeck user to be seduced by something on the holodeck mm. just doesn't ring yeah. true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot that doesn't ring true with this episode. Mm. Everybody comes back on board. Riker goes down to the holodeck. I guess he's hoping to finally have sex with Minuet. But she's gone. Picard takes one of the front seats. The con. And they return to Starbase 74. It's been a while since he's flown, or done anything, yeah. I guess, rather than give speeches. And I would have really enjoyed a little bump or a scrape as he redocks. Oh, excuse me. He's a professional. He wouldn't do anything like that. Oh, this isn't what? <laughs> or again, if there's some auto-stabilizer thing, he could turn it off. But that would be slightly too rebellious. Yeah. But, I mean, again, talking about anticlimaxes, I think he pushes three buttons. Yep. He yeah. like types in Starbase 74 and then pushes go. And yeah, then it should be really he's difficult. really proud of himself. He's like, ooh, look at that. You don't need to waggle and warm up your fingers for that. <laughs> ah, yeah. <laughs> so that just proves that data and oh, warf are oh. useless as well, doesn't yeah. it? That's the first thing I thought was this proves the whole ship can be piloted, piloted by like two people. Yep. Everybody comes back aboard. Riker goes down to the holodeck. I guess he's hoping to have sex with Minuet, <laughs> but she's gone. And there is like a cheap minuet duplicate there. She's no less attractive. No, she's not. <laughs> but we're made to think that she is adult. Yeah. It's... A knockoff of a knockoff. Yeah. <laughs> so I... Riker's lost her boohoo. And we end with this. She's gone. I tried variations on the program. Others appeared, but not minuet. Maybe it was all part of the Binars programming. But you know, number one... Some relationships just can't work. Yeah, probably true. She'll be difficult to forget. I'll be haunted by that computer game forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But again, you could have the Binars, once they know the plan, they go down to talk to Minuet and she's become a, a genderless, non-binary, she's become a Binar. And says, look how your sort of sexual mm. drive blinded you to your duties. Also, they're, they're against the concept of gender because it got in the way. Yeah. Sexuality in an episode where the, essentially the villains are sort of asexual. That connection not being made at all. Come on, guys. Yes. 
Yeah. Absolutely. They dropped the bones. Well, Jonathan Frakes loved this episode. He said, a fabulous show. Those were the kind of chances we took first season. When they worked, they worked great. It was a very chancy show, was it? And I loved it. Those characters, the Binars, why haven't they returned? Now that is the voice of a man who got to bring his trombone to work. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was a great one. We all had so much fun that day. I remember, what was it? Oh yeah, I got to play my trombone. That's what it was. He goes on to say that was a very well-conceived idea. They should have them as a regular on the ship to fix the engines or whatever the hell they do. Whatever the hell they do, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and that brings us to concept. We've got no more input from Will Wheaton, by the way. His book ended at Data Law. Aww. So thanks a lot, Will. I thought he said he was doing a part two, but I can't find it. They're not even bothering to explain where Troy is now. If they think she'd be useful in an episode, they just don't have her there. Oh. I mean, they evacuated the whole ship, so unless they have dropped her off at a different planet again, she was there. Or maybe she just got off when everybody else got off and had some other thing to do. And... Why didn't they painstakingly explain what her holiday was going to be? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. She's talking to Professor Epstein with Beverly. <laughs> yeah. Again, talking about using Troy, um, first thing my wife said was, if Troy is Riker's great sort of unrealised love of his life... Yes. Again, if, if you're going to try and sort of decoy Riker with a love interest, mm-hmm. you could yes. somehow clone her Great or mind point. control her. Yeah. Or yeah. Troy is the one to make him give it all up. I then think. she could have been in the episode as well. Mm. They're on contract, so she got a paid week off. So uh, I yeah. suspect, there you go. suspect Marina Sirtis doesn't mind that much. <laughs> what is the binar situation? Memory Alpha said, when a binar was born, a surgeon removed the child's parietal lobe and replaced it with a synaptic processor. So that's how it works, apparently. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, but they can't reverse that, presumably. I uh, know. No, they've got a load of little newborn parietal lobes hanging around in a pile. You can't put that back in an adult brain, can you? They should fall through a time hole and become the Borg. There's my idea. Oh, yeah. oh, man, I don't know what that means. She doesn't know the Borg nope. yet. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. They are interconnected with the master computer and the supernova threw it off, did it? Yeah, the electromagnetic pulse wasn't a permanent deactivation. They had a reboot, basically. So they had to store the data somewhere else, and they stored it on the Enterprise. But why was it safe on the Enterprise and not on the planet? They are asymmetrical, but when you get them as a pair, they're symmetrical. Yeah. Well, Do you see that? Their outfits, at least. Their outfits and their ears are different heights, and they're a little ear recorder thing so it would be on the left side of one and the right side of the other oh, so it's I symmetrical I, see, yeah. I don't understand the buffer if they're talking too fast for each other and the buffer stores the information for them to process at a slower pace why can they respond immediately next question pause for buffer <laughs> <laughs> my buffer's going right now <laughs> have we given up on the universal translator now or have you got to get consent to translate maybe because they had to speak English to the crew, yeah. then they spoke their own language to each other. Yeah. And then, we'd, well, don't get started on Minuet speaking French, eh? <laughs> but they were genderless and in pairs who share a brain, and that's a concept I'm yeah. quite interested in. Yeah. yeah. The production was obviously very impressed with their concept of a realistic, intuitive woman on the holodeck. <laughs> I was not. Overall, six for concept. Six? Is that high? Oh, I'm going to give it a five. Oh. Yeah. What about you, Greg? You can't do minus. Um, (laughs) To me, concept is what you could have done with the episode. So Um, concept, I would say... You've got to deduct points for what they didn't do, though. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, No, I I would say it's a a five or six. Okay. The the idea of a sort of computer race who need to wipe the Enterprise and use it just as a computer, and that threatens Mm -hmm. the people on board. 
lots of potential. Yeah. 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 Lots of missed potential. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see how they managed it all. In entertainment. Really rough 80s makeup and hair on Minuet. Great makeup and acting and direction for the binars, I thought, except the talking, that fell off. But they were very alien and very tightly choreographed because they were all dancers in real life. So well oh, done. Very disciplined. Yeah, they had little small tufts mm. of hair that came up the sides of their neck under their ears, which yeah. I thought was interesting. Mm. And that was to cover the bald cap prosthetic join. Oh, oh, clever. In collaboration with Michael Westmore, illustrator Andrew Probert designed the makeup. He said, here's a bit of Star Trek gossip of Gene. We understood each other. He fully understood exactly where he wanted his show to go, yet he was open to any ideas that we threw at him. And he would talk about that and he talked about it intelligently. Hmm. When Rick Berman took over the show halfway through the first season, every time we showed him a design concept, his constant response was, no, we can't do that because it reminds me of something I've seen somewhere, or it looks like a shaver, or it looks like something I've seen in a furniture store. (laughs) Rick Berman did not in that time, and as far as I can see from what's being produced, understand science fiction. Whoa. Whoa. I mean, Rick Berman goes on to be, I mean, he's in charge of it for years, isn't he? Yeah, Yeah, sounds Mm -hmm. like him. Mm -hmm. Whoa. Producers who don't like science fiction should not do science fiction. I hate that when you're like, well, I'm not really into, you know, little green men from Mars and all that stuff. It's like, you should not be in charge of it then. You've got to love this stuff to do it properly. Yeah, if you're just doing it for the money. But I just got to say, eventually, Star Trek becomes really awesome and he is in charge of it. So obviously he does know something. Not according to Andrew, who Uh continues, I think Star Trek died when Gene died. And everybody who cared about Star Trek eventually left the show. Bill Theus, the costumer left, I left, Bob Justman left. I think Berman cares about it for the money. I think he cares about it because he's confident that no matter what they produce, if it has the name Star Trek on it, people will watch it. Wrong. <laughs> False, <quite> Wrong. <laughs> Obviously didn't like him. Yes, I don't think I, I would go so far as to agree that based on what they do later and what they achieve. Mm-hmm. But I think it's more the two schools of scared of it being silly. Mm. And not scared of it being silly. And and I think a show like Star Trek or, you know, in Britain, it'd obviously be Doctor Who. It's mm-hmm. that kind of thing of whenever it has a producer who is scared of it looking silly or childish or, you mm. know, those ray guns look like hair dryers, that makeup looks like a vagina, that sort of <laughs> stuff. Embrace <laughs> um, it! Then, then they can really, they can hamper the fun of it yeah. or make it, make it better and make it more serious. And it definitely matures into a more a more sophisticated show. Oh my God, mm. yes. You're going through the process of, my, like when I watched this as a teenager, I didn't think it was great, but I still liked it. It was still Star Trek. Mm. And as I watched it and got more and more invested at the end of the second season, there's a cliffhanger. Mm. And mm. I can't tell you how nuts everybody went when it was like yes. a cliffhanger at the end of the season oh, okay yeah. like, that moment is when the show becomes what it is yeah and then you go back and watch these and you you, you realize that you see them as filler episodes but you allow for it to sort of find its feet and that wonderful thing that american shows get which is they get about 100 episodes to kind of find their feet <laughs> yeah. And, <do> <laughs> yeah. and that's why you get seven seasons of this great sophisticated naturalistic feeling slightly effortless feeling thing <laughs> yeah. with these really rich characters who have interesting interrelationships and this was just baby steps mm-hmm. Paramount Pictures obtained several design patents based on Probert's work on Star Trek Motion Picture and Star Trek The Next Generation he's listed as the inventor on those designs and the sole person officially credited with designing the USS Enterprise D 
Those are wow. his credentials anyway. The guy smack talking Berman. Just because you can appreciate an artist doesn't mean you have to agree with all of their personal views. <laughs> That's true. Uh-huh. As the host of an HP Lovecraft podcast. <laughs> exactly. Who is currently reading Robert E. Howard. Woo, dog. Yeah. <laughs> These are some shady folks. They are shady folks, but can do good work. So the saddest part of the episode for me was there was lots of promise of dancing, not really much payoff. No. I liked Picard straight, I don't dance. Because <laughs> it felt real, it felt true, it felt like what I'd say. <laughs> I would have paid, though, to see an awkward three-way dance between Picard. <laughs> what are we calling them? Ricard. Ricard. Oh, boy. This episode won an Emmy in 88 in the category Outstanding Sound Editing for a Series. Oh, okay, wow. TV Guide. I was about to say, for <laughs> yeah, what? for what? <laughs> okay. Most purple guest stars. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because they lowered their voices when they talked English and raised them whenever they were talking. Whatever, know. who knows? TV Guide ranked it as the sixth best Star Trek episode ever. What? Are you serious? Yeah. In 1996, they rated it sixth best Star Trek episode. Wow. So there you go. Just crazy. Corrupt. Someone bought that. Not correct. That is not correct. No, it is not correct. Talking about entertainment. I mean, again, the ideas on paper I'm fine with, but the first half, I was like practically going on my phone. I I found (laughs) it, the first half, really like nothing is happening. It's like a soap opera episode where it's, what's Beverly going to go and do? What's Data up to? And it just feels like life aboard ship with no driving. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I quite enjoyed it, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I like the different setting and the costumes and the aliens, but Greg's talked me out of it. I was going to say eight. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to take it down to seven. For regular next-gen quality here it's pretty in the middle for what we've had so far from what we had so far so i'm gonna give it a five Five. i'm gonna give it a five it's a two for me oh wow i think it's really a dud okay there we go uh and sexiness it's a real turn off when it's supposed to be sexy and it isn't yeah bit of french that's nice three out of five what you're giving it a three out of five <laughs> you just said it was a turnoff and you're still getting a three out of five i don't know i really like french okay uh two i gave it a two. Ooh. yeah below average i'm gonna give it a two i think everywhere they tried to be sexy they they weren't mm-hmm. but the binars were actually quite shapely yeah, <laughs> yeah. they're not nice that faces, androgynous if you actually are paying attention you yeah. really look mm. and yar and wolf looked great in there Blue unitards. Yeah. <laughs> I had a thing for Tasha Yar back in the day. I definitely. Oh, definitely who didn't? Yeah. Who wouldn't? We all and did. And they managed to light her well. You know, she looks great and she sort of Bev. Yeah. She's not mm-hmm. all jaw, jaw heavy. No. In an interview on Star Trek.com, Caroline said Franks was a gentleman, compassionate, talented, and considerate. The experience was a joy. Uh-huh. Oh, That's good. Caroline who played Minuet. Yeah. I'm glad he's a nice guy. Uh, so, okay, for stupidity. Yeah, for the stupid experts rating. Wesley wasn't at his sharpest this episode, but he was helpful. Mm-hmm. He was left to mind the aliens doing work on the ship as usual. Well, they honestly, they shouldn't have needed to have anybody watching them because Starfleet should have vetted them mm, as exactly uh, the, to be there working. So yeah, it's the usual yeah. Starfleet stupidity. Why are they always sending people in to hack into their computers and steal the ship? <laughs> yeah. But there's also the problem of because these guys arrive with Starfleet, then they have prior experience of Starfleet. Therefore, they should know that if they ask for help, they will get it. 
Yes, exactly. They work with Starfleet. They could be from a race of people who've been told that Starfleet are like, you know, pirates or steal all your stuff and take (laughs) over your planet. But they don't have any reason to be suspicious of Starfleet because they work with them already. They never say no. Yeah, it is preposterous. (laughs) I honestly didn't think the characters did stupid things on this episode. I just thought the whole kind of idea of it was sort of Yes, the stupidity isn't in front Mm. of the camera. (laughs) (laughs) Well, apart from, I guess, Riker staying on, like Minuet actually managing to keep Riker on the holodeck is... Even though he was suspicious. He was kind of suspicious for no reason initially. And then he's, you know, got a, a hot little number that he's he's been on that ship, you know, a long time, maybe a whole week without having sex. <laughs> he needs a little relief. Yeah. Well, at least Ricard nailed it once they finally came out of the threesome. <laughs> so for stupid experts, I'll give it two out of five. Five oh. out of five is bad. Okay. Yeah. I give it a two. It's like minus two. Yeah. Uh, for the threesome... Rikinuet to fans. Three. I'll give it a three. Oh, so how were your guesses? Well, there was no sex for Riker, but he would have had it if he hadn't been cock-blocked. Non-binary aliens, so I got that wrong. Data did save lives, but Wesley helped less than usual. Mm. Bev, she didn't help, did she? No. Picard was laid up not by illness, but by the holodeck. So next week... Will Picard be incapacitated by A, a virus, B, mind control, or C, pratting around in the holodeck? Join us! <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, but I want to thank Greg for jumping on and and enduring this episode. <laughs> thank you for having me. You know, it's always, I mean, I just, I, sh- I must sign off by saying it is always a joy to watch Star Trek. There are uh, other things in the world that I'm worried about. And watching Star Trek isn't one of them. Uh, oh. It's a huge pleasure. I love you guys and I love Star Trek. So it's it's all love. And it's, all, it's like when your child draws on the wall or something. You know, you don't you don't give them up for adoption. You hang on no. until they get good. <laughs> <laughs> well, we love you too, and it was really fun to have you on the show mm. today. Thank you. Anytime. Thank you to our patrons, and thank you for listening to this episode. And we will see you next week. And uh, with that, I'm Rachel Lackey. I'm Chris Lackey. And I'm Greg Johnson. And you've been listening to... Rachel Watches Star Trek <laughs> Live. <laughs> Rachel watches Star Trek.